Coming up in this episode of Finding Common Ground. And way before this, he would always tell me, Odell, God has something special for me to do. God has something special for me to do. Yes, I, I'm good at making money, but it's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. I faced my own death and said goodbye to my children and my wife, but I lived. Wow. Odell, where'd you find this guy? Uh, Scott's a dear friend. Scott is Action Jackson. Help me as much as you can. Take the audience as much as you can. How do you say goodbye to your family? And now how do you find common ground? There are two sides to every coin. How do we deal with racial issues when they affect relationships? Finding common ground on all those issues that we come against. There's black and there's white. And I think as Christians, we have to learn how to get together because we're not in heaven. I've met more interesting people just by God just bringing them in. Republicans and Democrats. But a lot of times when it comes to race and it comes to culture and it comes to perception, even as Christians, we don't always understand. We look at it through our lenses. There's Bill. I grew up in a suburb of Cleveland called Parma. Uh, Any black people in Parma? There was not one. Not one black person, Bill? Not one. Come on, Bill. You got to have one. A token black person? And there's Odell. I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina. Public housing, single mom, divorced single mom with four kids. And I came up through segregation and all that kind of stuff. If a black person drove through the town, the police would stop and escort them out. Bill and Odell are finding common ground. A part of what we have to do is listen to each other, find the common ground, and question, not questioning you like you're on a witness stand, but questioning you for a better understanding. Father God, we just come to you just saying thank you for all your many blessings. God, our heart grieves about what's going on in Poland. The reports that we're hearing about elderly women getting raped and people are being killed and bodies laying in the streets and mass just mass graves, God. God, we know that you are in control. However, sometimes we just don't understand. So Holy Spirit, continue to help us in our understanding, and we just pray for safety for the people of Ukraine. Dearly Father, we we just lift up the folks in Ukraine as uh, they go through a living hell. Um, This is something they didn't ask for, but is being thrust upon them. Lord, um, we ask for your protection and send down your angels and support them and keep them safe. Uh, I ask that that you uh, push their aggressors out of their country so they can go back to normal and then uh, have all the nations come together and help rebuild Ukraine from the damage done from the war. Amen. Amen. Bill, you know, I know we usually talk about this and talk about that, but our guest today is just amazing. And I know the audience can't wait to hear what he's doing. But before we get there, you know, I saw a report yesterday about a 81, 82 year old woman who said that she was raped by the Russian soldiers, by a Russian soldier. And it just something me and my wife was looking at it together and it just broke my heart. And I know you've been in Poland and other areas when you were doing some adoptions, did you have any idea of what's going on now and how that's affecting everyone? No, it's amazing. Some of the things that you hear on the news uh, and also um, the propaganda that the Russian people are hearing uh, that, you know, uh, that uh, Ukraine is made up of a bunch of uh, white supremacist, neo-Nazis, just all kinds of lies. And uh, it, it just shows how a population can be uh, made to think things that aren't real. You know, it goes back to when uh, um, 
Germany with the Nazis. You know, one of the things with the concentration camps, the allied soldiers actually took the people from the village and made them walk through the camps so they could see firsthand. Um, I read a book, uh, D-Day from the German perspective, and it's about soldiers that were in the bunkers. And uh, they were, they were, somebody said, well, why were you fighting the Americans? And they said, well, the Americans supported the Russians and the Russians were going to come in and take our, our, our property, our wives, they're going to take everything over. And so we were fighting to protect and, you know, it's just on and on and on stuff like that. You know, I, I guess my question to you, Odell, if you were president of the United States, what would you do? You know, that's a great question because we do need another black president. So, you know, uh, since I'm better looking, <laughs> a good looking president one. Barack Obama, maybe huh? a good look, a good looking one this time. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's just not as simple as that. So I would yield to I would get with my advisors and I would get to the other NATO countries and talk to them about what we can do, because I do not believe that America is the police of the world. We can't do that. Um, but at the same time, we have to do something. And I think what I would do is help instrument a no-fly zone, just a no-fly zone on what's going on and also monitor if there's any chemical weapons being involved because doing nothing is not acceptable. Okay. Well, you, got, you got one vote for president right here. No, I'm not running for anything. I'm not even running for dog catcher. So Odell doesn't run for political office because the queen of my life told me not to do that. But you know what? We have to do something. And I'll guess, Bill, uh, this man, Scott, friend of mine, been knowing him for a while. Uh, he's a man, Action Jackson. And the thing about it is years ago when I was, um, we was doing business together, my friend got ill and he he could talk about that and he's doing better. So when he called me and said, Hey, I'm doing this thing over in Poland and I'm helping uh, the refugees and I'm helping everyone. And it's like, but Scott, a couple of years ago, your life was in the balance. So he went from his life in the balance, going over there, trying to save other lives. So Bill, I want to introduce our guest, Scott Silkmeta. Scott, how are you doing? And welcome to the show, my friend. Great. Uh, thanks for having me here. What are you doing flying halfway around the world, saving folk? And a year or so ago. So, uh, you I, know, it, 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 we go, I'll go back to that. Um, so I had stage four cancer and, uh, and it, I had had my eighth and final big surgery. And, uh, and I had, was in an argument with the cancer and I won. There's no more cancer in me. And um I, I, my, after a few months of recovery, my wife said, what are you going to do? Cause you, you, you can't just keep sitting here. And I got on my knees and I said, Lord, you kept me here for a reason. What do you want me to do? And then my phone rang. And, uh, for the last, for a couple of years, I was helping small businesses, turnarounds, um, a lot of things happening, especially with COVID, uh, different businesses facing going, going out of business and closing. Uh, so we were saving jobs and, and, um, uh, saving companies, saving college educations, and and a host of things, and uh, and that that was incredibly rewarding, and and still is. Uh, and then uh, a few weeks ago, uh, I was watching the news as we all have been uh, watching what's the the reports, the videos, what's going on in, in Ukraine, and all the refugees going to Poland, and I was really struck and bothered by the um, the images of the little kids in the shelters. Uh, with nothing to do. And because they ran 
their moms, they, they took them and they ran to another country for safety with nothing but the clothes on their backs and, and, and a couple of bags. So I, I actually had a friend uh, who lives in Krakow, spends his time half a, half a year in, in Poland and half a year in the U.S. And I sent him a text. I said, I said, what's it really look like over there? And he and he texted me back and, and gave me the lowdown. And, and I called a, another friend of mine who works at Dollar Tree. And I said, hey, can you help me gather some coloring books and some crayons? That was it. That's all I wanted to do. And he said, yeah, write me a letter. So I wrote a letter. And, uh, and then I thought, well, if he's going to get me some stuff, I might as well call a couple other people. So spoke to a um, vice principal at um, Oak Ridge Elementary uh, here in, in Greensboro, spoke to um, one of the folks over at uh, B'nai Shalom uh, and asked them if they would help gather some things up. And, and so everyone said, without hesitation, yes, let us help you. So that was that was March 4th. Those things started happening. And and then uh, a week later, um, my friend at Dollar Tree called me and said, hey, everything's approved and, and you're getting a thousand coloring books and a thousand crayons. And then he said, and by the way, we're going to the stores, the local stores, we're going to work with the customers and and collect items. So they collected one hundred thousand items. Wow. At, uh, f- through the generosity of, of um, the customers in Greensboro. So then I thought, okay, well, I've got to work out distribution partners. <laughs> I got to figure out who's going, because my friend cannot just get a skid of, of goods and, and take it. So uh, there happened to be a, a visiting priest at our parish, um, Our Lady of Grace. And, and as it turns out, he had ties to Krakow and the Catholic World Mission. So I sent him an email, said, listen, I've gathered these things. Can you help me get them distributed? He put me in touch with um, what's called Caritas, which is the charity arm of the Archdiocese of Krakow, which was fantastic. Unfortunately, none of them spoke English. So okay. I was using Google Translator to send emails in Polish, and they're, and they're com- we're going back and forth, uh, which was kind of challenging for someone who, who, who communicates and talks for a living. At, uh, and um, then my friend in, in Poland suggested I also contact the Jewish Community Center because that's where they're giving thing items to and the Jewish Community Center in Krakow. So I, I did the same, sent a, a Polish language uh, email saying, hey, this is who we are. We're trying to help. We've got uh, loads of supplies ready to send. Then I got a phone call through WhatsApp at, um, from the executive director who spent five years at Chapel Hill. And spoke perfect English. And now, okay, that uh, we're the floodgates are opening. So from there, we started putting pieces together. So it was one of those where you feel like your whole life, everything you've done, has led you to this moment. And uh, and I, I actually yesterday was just telling um, someone that that I got a, either a tap on the shoulder from from God or a shove down the steps. I haven't figured out which one yet, but I'm emotionally connected, invested in this. So um, so we started gathering more items. Then a friend at uh, a company in High Point uh, offered us 10,000 square feet of warehouse space to store everything. And then more groups started wanting to help. Um, a couple of local stories ran on uh, uh, CBS affiliate here, and we started getting more emails and more phone calls. And and before too long, within four weeks, we had raised um, about four tons worth of supplies uh, at value to four hundred thousand dollars. 
Uh, so um, then I knew, okay, we've got to, we've got to get something going. And along this way, uh, I reached out to a friend who is, comes from the nonprofit world because I knew we needed to collect money for um, freight and, but I didn't want to collect it. I didn't want to touch any money. So I said, have you ever filled out a 1023 EZ form for a nonprofit? And she said, I haven't, but uh, let's talk about why you want to do this. And so I explained what was going on. And she said, do you want to start a nonprofit? I said, no, I don't. But, uh, and she said, would you consider partnering with one? Yes. So within a week, we had a partnership agreement with uh, the Kellen Foundation, which focuses on child trauma. So now they're working on programs for the children, the child refugees and their mothers that are going through the trauma of what they've, you know, what the bodies they've seen, losing their homes, not knowing where their fathers are. So it's all of this continues to come together. And then I, uh, I looked at my wife, I said, we need to go over there and make sure the stuff's actually going to go where, where we say it's going to go. Because I'm sure Odell and Bill, you guys, we've all seen where different groups pop up asking for money and the money never, ever goes where it's supposed to go or where it was intended to go. And, uh, and I didn't want that to happen to me or the people that, place their trust in us. So I bought a ticket and two days later we were in Krakow, Poland. And, uh, and we went uh, to meet with um, the Jewish community center and also uh, the Caritas uh, group. And from that uh, we worked out a partnership and here's originally I thought guys, that this was a one and done for me, I was going to, I was going to, help get this shipment over. And, and that was it. I am in, I am, this is a mission for me because two things, two things that, that changed it. it uh, our flights got jumbled around. There's not a lot of direct flights into Krakow now. And we missed one um, from Heathrow to Krakow. So we ended up getting rerouted to, um, to Warsaw. It's a three hour train ride. So we walked in at four in the morning to catch the train to Krakow. And it's, there's some refugees there, no doubt. And, uh, and I looked to my left and there was a young mother with her three to four year old daughter. And there was an EMT, a young woman that picked up the little girl and held her and just kissed her forehead for five minutes. And that little girl held onto her neck, would not let go. And then the mom broke down. And mm -hmm. that's, that's what got me. So um, then Later that day, we met with uh, Caritas, uh, the folks, and thank goodness my friend was there to act as a translator. And they have, they have supported, they currently support, 40 distribution sites uh, throughout Poland, sending goods through their warehouse to, um, to directly to refugees. They've sent over 500 tons of goods into Ukraine. They are, they are caring for 150 um, more than that now, since we've been there, 150 children that have become refu refugees. They have placed 5,000 Ukraine, Ukrainian families in, in Polish homes because the Polish people are taking the refugees into their homes. Um, they serve 5,000 warm meals a day. 90% of what they do has come from donations of the Polish people. And she looked at me and said, where are the Americans? Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Bill, now now what Scott is saying, he was sitting home on his couch. 
on his rusty dusty, just survived cancer, every excuse not to get involved. And the people are saying, where are the Americans? What would you say, Bill? I, I'm shocked that they, there were no Americans there. You know, I, I hear like Samaritan Purse sent over their jet over and put a, a field hospital out there. So, Scott, was it that they they were near this zero visibility or there so, was no, so no, I, I think it's different groups doing different things. So Samaritan's Purse doing doing what they're doing at um, and and there are other groups doing what they're doing. The archdiocese, the, the Caritas, um, they have they actually had American volunteers that I met at the at the Krakow train station and uh, that that are there. There's nothing on donations or, or the things that they need, the food, all the people they're, they're uh, helping, the personal hygiene items, all of those. Nothing has come from the U.S. directly to this hub that is sending tons and tons of goods into Ukraine and, in, and around, throughout Poland to other distribution sites. That's where that came from. Okay. Not that the other groups aren't there. And, and, I, and I know why that she felt that way and why that was that way because the language barrier, the communication issue, it, uh, that was a huge thing. And, uh, and then as, as I was talking to Monica and that was, that's her name. Um, the priest in charge of, of that portion of uh, Caritas came in and, and in his broken English said, we need a partner. We need a long-term partner. And I, and I said, sir, I intend to be that partner. So it was, but, but, it was but Scott, Scott, you've never did this before. You, my friend, I know you, you're action Jackson, you about dollars and cents. You're about putting the deals together. You, that's who you are. But then something, I just remember something, Bill, this man has always told me for years about his father and being a caregiver for his father. So that was still there. And way before this, he would always tell me, Odell, God has something special for me to do. God has something special for me to do. Yes, I, I'm good at making money, but it's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. So, Bill, what do you do when you have an entrepreneur, a visionary who says, you know what? I can help fix this. It's like, who are you, Scott? Who are you to go to Poland and fix this? And he's like, why not me? That's exactly uh, right. Yeah, yeah. You, 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 God opened the door and you stepped through it. Yes, absolutely. And then what do you think your father would say, Scott, about what you're doing? Uh, keep going. Don't stop. Uh, it is uh, that's kind of that's the man he was. I, I you know that we have all have those life changing moments. That uh, uh, I've had, I've had few, a few. I, I told you the first one. I, I met my wife on a plane. I sat next to her, and that was it. I knew we were going to get married. Didn't know who she was. Didn't know her name, but I knew she, I knew we were. And twenty six years later, we're still married. At um, the first time I gave my father a shower, that changed who I was and what I was about. I faced my own, sorry, that's my cat's tail that just came in front of the camera. <laughs> <laughs> I faced my own death and said goodbye to my children and my wife, but I lived and that changed my philosophy on, on what I, what I want to do with my life. And then I saw a little girl in a train station with her mom with nothing. And, um, and that changed so um, I think the salesman in me that grew up in sales and, and corporate America of the persistence and not accepting no for an answer has helped us create this coalition uh, of people, uh, organizations, for-profit, not-for-profit, foundations that all are trying to figure out how they can help. 
and we're giving them an outlet and we're, we've become kind of an aggregator pulling everyone together to do this thing. And, um, that's, uh, those life-changing moments, they, they kind of, they get you. And and so I think, I think dad would say, keep going. Yeah. I think, uh, you hit the nail on the head, you know, Scott, as you were telling your story, I got to tell you, there's about three or four touch points that we had something in common. I've been to Krakow. I did the train ride from Warsaw to Krakow. I did it in 1984 and was still communist. I adopted a girl just outside of Krakow, a town called Białystok. And uh, so I, I, can, I can see the center of the town. I can see the watchtower. I can see, you know, all that stuff. With, and the other thing is the Kellen Foundation. That's interesting. Up until about three weeks ago, I never heard of that organization. Now, Odell and I are going to be chair people of a youth protection symposium that we're going to put on at the Civil Rights Museum in October. And so we started calling agencies and it's going to be set up to uh, look at issues related to youth so that youth serving organizations could come in and be educated on, uh, you know, youth suicide or bullying and and then find a way to uh, network people in because child abuse, whatever level you call it, and the young girl that was getting hugged, she's been abused. There's no doubt about it in Poland. That in, impacts people the rest of their life. They, they become, some people drop out of society. Some people become drug addicts. Some people alcoholics. Some people, you know, become uh, bad citizens. Uh, they don't work. They don't show up. You know, there's a lot of ills that come from children that have been abused. And the fact that God's put, touched your heart, to get involved and then the Kellen foundation to partner with you. So we called the Kellen foundation and asked them to be part of this. And that's interesting that you're now uh, involved with their nonprofit. So that that's great. Uh, we've got a nonprofit called youth of North Carolina. And uh, the uh, we get a lot of people to come up to us and ask the same thing that happened to you. Can we partner with you on things? And then we absolutely do. We did something in Uganda that way, but your story is compelling. Where's the next chapter going? So um, we have uh, 17 skids worth of product that have to get over. And uh, while I, while we were there uh, for here in the next two weeks. So while we were there, um, I was talking with the executive director, Jonathan of the Jewish community center about the fact that they have transformed from a community center into an, a, an aid organization and they were leasing a couple of warehouses. And, and that's where I saw in everything I saw in the assessment where we could really make a difference is here in the U S we have a lot of people want to help. They, they can't figure out how to get things over there because it's too expensive. You know, it, uh, uh, we figured out how to get things over there. Uh, and then you have people that ran a community center that are trying to trying to set up and run a warehouse and organize and look through all the processes. And so um, I told him while we were there, and since we've been back, that we were working to uh, get everything together to either uh, pay the rent on the warehouses and take over the warehouses to help them so they could focus on the direct aid. Uh, and then um, that way we control the entire process from point A to point B from, from uh, the Wilmington the uh, port there, if we send up a container or air freight out of High Point to getting to Krakow, we'll control that, which makes it much easier, much more efficient. 
And, and then we can open up the floodgates to all of these groups that want to help. So actually, um, send a note to uh, Kathy Manning, uh, our congressman, uh, and then uh, also Ted Budd, and asked, "Hey, can you? How do we? How do we access and apply for a grant to fund this rather than going out and try, try to raise money? How, but how do we access the uh, re- refugee relief funds uh, that that were just passed last month so we can get this going? Because we have everything in place." The direct aid to the uh, to uh, Ukrainian refugees in multiple points of Poland uh, and in Ukraine, the collection site, the warehouse consolidation site here in North Carolina, and now and we we've got partners working with us. And I'll give you an example of the transport. I called a friend of mine uh, who who's with the Teamsters, uh, and they work with UPS. And I said, can, you know, can can you help me get this squared away? Um, since I'm out of corporate America, I need. And I want to see if UPS can work with us. He said, not only will we get UPS to work, but this next shipment, the Teamsters are going to, our locals are going to pay for it. So there's different groups that are, that are coming together to help us with shipments. And, uh, and so I, the next step is for us to take over a warehouse. This is going to be going on for years. But, uh, but and I, I said, take over a warehouse for a year to two and extend it if we need to, because in a couple months, um, that what we see on, you know, it, people, it, it won't be the topic constantly discussed and there won't be as many donations. So it's, it, uh, they're going to, we're going to need to continue to um, be that effort and force here to collect and send things and coordinate and do it as efficiently and cost effectively as possible. So they can provide the aid as quickly as possible directly to the people that need it. Wow. Odell, where'd you find this guy? Uh, Scott's a dear friend. Scott is Action Jackson. Scott is the guy when his father was going through challenges as a caregiver and he couldn't find the right type of devices to work with him. He invented them, you know, and he's just that kind of guy. And he came over and partnered with us at Mount Zion around caregiving. He has a big heart. He doesn't want a lot of people to know it, but he has a big heart. And more importantly, Bill, um, I was supposed to, at his anniversary, we were supposed to be fun, COVID messed it up, but I was supposed to be performing his wedding vows for him and his wife, um, 35,000 feet, Scott, or something like that, kind of what I did with you and Dory Bill on the Rhine River in France. I was going to do the same thing flying over Texas, but, you know, COVID kind of messed a lot of that up. So the good looking black preachers and high demand, what can I say? He did a good job on renewing our vows. You know, uh, we, were, we were on a riverboat cruise with him and Bev, and uh, it was our 25th anniversary. And uh, I love my wife. And we, uh, I told Odell, would you, if I write up one pager, would you would you do that? And he said, absolutely. And I, and it was the riverboat's not big, and maybe 60 couples, uh, and then the staff. And so we made a couple friends. So I went to the staff and said, hey, I want to do this. Just a small group. Maybe we do it give us some area in the front of the boat where it's private. So we can do it. And the captain came back and said, well, we've got a little different idea. And I said, what's that? And they said, word's gotten out. You're going to do this. And I was surprised to my wife. She didn't know this. And, uh, and so uh, he says, the whole boat wants you to do it on the last day. After I talk about the cruise and all that, he says, then we're going to do your ceremony at the end and we'll have some special cake and some stuff. And, 
So I said, yeah, okay, that's not a problem. And uh, what Odell asked me, he says, Bill, have you asked your wife if she's willing to do this? And I said, no, 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 we're just going to do it. So he his opening line gets up there to give him the mic and everybody knows it's happened except my wife. And she's wondering what's going on. And Odell gets us up and he said, uh, folks, we're either going to have a with a situation, right? Yeah. Or a ceremony. Yep. Yep. And Scott, of course, the only black guy on the whole cruise, you know, we in France on uh, Viking International, me and my wife standing there beside me, you know, the only black guy on the whole, on the whole, the whole cruise. And it's just funny. Now, Scott, how was yours plan? What was I supposed to do at 30,000 feet? So um, I met my wife on a plane and uh, she lived in Dayton, Ohio at the time. And I lived in Dallas. And the week after we met, American Airlines came out with the uh, breakaway fares. So there, a round trip from Dallas to Dayton, of all places, was $110. Holy moly. And so we flew back and forth. We dated that way for six months. Uh, we physically saw each other for about 23 days uh, before we got married. And, um, and we eloped. So I, I called, I flew a lot for work at the time and I called American Airlines. I said, this is going to sound crazy, but I'd like to elope. Um, my wife and I met on a flight. We'd like to elope. So they helped us and got us all set up. This is so February, 1996. Um, and we flew to Taos. They had the DFW airport chaplain flying with us who we did meet with be prior to, to have a, a marriage counseling session. <laughs> Cause he wanted to make sure that we did it. And, uh, and at about 17,000 feet, we stood up and, and, um, and, and set our vows. And uh, the captain asked us to stay uh, on the flight. So we had one heck of a, a, of a reception line. People were, as they were getting off, we're sitting in first class um, cause they put us up there and had champagne for everyone on the flight, which was unbelievable. And people are handing us whatever they could as gifts, packs of gum, candy bars, books, magazines, uh, napkins. So whatever they could give us, they gave us and said, congratulations. And so when it came time for our 25th, I reached out to American about eight months, nine months prior to. And I said, this is going to sound crazy, but here's what, here's what I'm looking to do. And so I, I was working with the corporate office. Um, and I, as it turns out, they, they told us that we're, we were the last couple to ever get married on an American Airlines flight um, because after 9-11, couldn't do anything like that. So, um, wow. so we were going, they were going to uh, fly us. They, they offered us uh, 20 seats for our friends and family that wanted to join to fly from Charlotte to DFW to get married, re renew the vows. Odell was going to come and, and, uh, and uh, perform the service. And then we were going to land at DFW and go to their, um, at their world headquarters, go to their museum and have a reception there. Uh, but due to COVID uh, it, it didn't work out. So we had it all planned. We had, we had guests, everything. And, uh, and, it, and we weren't able to do it. Wow. So it shut you down. It did. It did. So unfortunately, but Hey, it's okay. It, uh, we, we still, uh, we, we ended up six months later, um, 
uh, doing renewing our vows another way with a small group of people and, and just um, just had a great time. Oh, that's congratulations. Let me ask you a question. You know, as you're telling the story, I'm thinking I'm, I'm I've got a million miles on American Airlines and I know my way around uh, corporate America. But who do you call to ask that question? You just they don't have a phone number for weddings. <laughs> so, so when I at uh, um, when when we were going to elope, I was um, executive platinum on their uh, advantage on their frequent flyer program. So I called that. I called them and I said, "That's when I said this is going to sound kind of crazy, but here's what I'd like to do. Can you help?" And they connected me through different people. Um, this last uh, in 2021 friend of mine that I went to college with um, and reconnected when I was going through my illness. Uh, he knew our, our, how we got married and, and that our 25th was coming up. And I told him what I was going to try to do. He said, well, listen, I've got a friend that, that, that worked there in the, in the communications department of the corporate office. Let me reach out. So he emailed his friend and that led to the head honchos and, and they, sent they emailed and we connected and we started talking back and forth and and that was it it's just it you know what in fact i think that that's how this what we're doing right now has all started it's all who you know relationships and hey by the way would you mind and yes i'll help you it is it i'm if you're not afraid to ask for help what's that old saying you know you don't get anything unless you ask for it so if you're not afraid to ask for help hey i'm trying to get coloring books for kids Hey, I'm trying to get personal hygiene items because this is what these people have because the bigger organizations are taking care of medicine, Samaritan's purse, right? Medicine, healthcare, uh, food, water, but they keep running out of personal hygiene, toiletries. Can you imagine guys what it's like to go two weeks without brushing your teeth? It, um, uh, and I was, Odell, I'd say this. Can you imagine what it's like to go three weeks without washing your hair? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's, uh, if I had so, any, if I had any hair, but to your point is that, <laughs> let me ask another question too. And then Bill, Bill will jump back in. Scott, help me as much as you can. Take the audience as much as you can. How do you say goodbye to your family? I mean, how, how, you know, because I, I think time to time about what's it going to be like going to see Jesus. And I don't mind the going, but I don't want to say the goodbyes. You know, I want to go, but I don't want to leave my family. So you went and said, I said my goodbyes to my family and you, and I know your kids. So Scott, I know your family. I know everything. You have a beautiful family. How do you go to them and say, Hey, Tommy, Hey, uh, let me, how do you say goodbye? So, um, that was, that was really, that was very hard. And, and I had, um, I had an, in case I die folder booklet that went through everything. So I knew, you know, life insurance and, and uh, the company and the patents and royalties and all of these little things in the books. So that part was taken care of because I, I wanted them to be okay. It's uh, so then uh, I had the conversation and uh, with each of them individually, uh, the, the boys and then, um, and then Catherine and, and, you know, and, and Darlene, and it was, it was a hug and the boys wanted it. It's, you know, this could happen. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, you see it in the movies. I'll look in on you from time to time. Wow. If something does happen. And, um, and fortunately it wasn't my time, you know, I, before the surgery, um, 
I went into the hospital the day before and Catherine was really the last one. Cause she was, she was a sophomore in high school to, to that we told, okay, this could really happen. So the boys were in college Catherine and Darlene came to the, came to the hospital room and we chatted and said hello. And, and we talked about it. And I said to her, you know, if anything happens to me, your mom's going to be here and the boy and your brothers are going to be here at, and it'll be okay. And she hugged me and she kind of shrugged it off. And then they left to go to dinner. And, um, and then that's when it dawned on Catherine that, well, okay, this is, this isn't good. And she asked Darlene and, and could dad, could dad die? And, um, and she said, yes. And, and, and Catherine said, I need to go see him again. So they came back up to the house. She came running into the room and, and, um, and hugged me. And she said, I didn't understand what you were trying to tell me, but I love you. And that was, mm. that was the hardest moment, you know, with, uh, with, with uh, Catherine. So, but you know, and the boys, it was just, it's just that, it, that moment where, um, guys, I'm going to try to get through. And um, if something happens, everyone's going to be okay. And I'll look in on you. And, you know, and that, that was really it. And that was, that was challenging. Um, and when, when everyone was done and, and when they came in and they were uh, to wheel me down for the big surgery and I, I actually prayed and I said, Lord, I'm, I'm ready. If you want to take me, I'm ready. Hmm. But, but watch out for my family. If, um, hmm. if you do. And I didn't expect to talk about this guys. <laughs> um, but uh, so, so I, I said that and, and then I woke up and I was still here and that's where you can hear my dogs at um, where I, I said, um, you, you kept me here for a reason. What do you want me to do? And that's, that's where I'm at. Wow. What a story. What a story. How long was your recovery? Uh, three months where I could move around and, and, um, so I had bladder cancer and it spread. And, uh, and so they took my bladder out and reworked the plumbing is basically what, what happened. And, um, uh, and that's, it takes a while to recover from that and, and get everything working again. And, and so it took three months where I could, would go outside and, and do different things. And, and then um, after about a year, I really started feeling like myself again. And I, it happens to people all the time, bladder cancer. It, uh, and yeah, it, it is, I send pictures to my doctors once a year. I send them Christmas presents and I send pictures to the doctors. Here's what I, I was able to do this past year because of you. So let, this email from this year, I showed them how we, we climbed the North Rim uh, of the Grand Canyon. We went out, out West. We went North, celebrated my 25th wedding anniversary. Uh, we knocked the last two states off the bucket list of the all fit, visiting all 50 states. Then I was able to help these companies and I saved these jobs. I, I send them a list of what we were able to do because they helped me. And that's so now I can add international travel and and helping more people that, that we don't know. Mm. And that's the thing. You know, it, it, uh, I know you guys know this. It, you know, somebody said to me once when we were working with caregivers, the amount of people that you're helping that you'll never know them is exponential. 
And, and I said, that's great. We need a thousand more people just like us doing the exact same thing so we can take care of everyone. Wow. You know, Scott and the little girl, because of you and people like you, uh, listen, I know everybody's on a tight schedule, but this is so powerful. Bill, I know how you close out. So I'm going to hand it, hand it over to you, sir. Okay. Scott, uh, you know, when Odell said you were coming on, we, uh, he didn't give me much background. Uh, other, he said, uh, you guys were good friends and a good friend of Odell's, uh, I'd like to think will be eventually a good friend of mine. Uh, I, I'm blessed to hear your story. I'm blessed to hear what's going on in your life right now. Uh, and, uh, uh, we always ask our guests, um, how do you, um, find common ground? But I'm going to let you think about that for a minute, because when we're done, I, I'd like to pray for you, your family, and your new ministry, because uh, clearly God has you on a path. And Bill, you're absolutely right. And how does people who want to make a financial contribution or any type of contribution, and we have this on the website, ask it. Scott needs to share that information also. Yeah. Scott, why don't you do that first before you answer about common ground? So um, we stood up a website, the um, coalitionofgood.org. And uh, folks can, can, we're looking, there's a list of all the items that our two partners in Poland need uh, as personal hygiene, first aid, a couple of clothing pieces. Uh, and that, and that's what we're focused on coalitionofgood.org. Uh, and there's also a link to an Amazon list that folks can order off Amazon because we've had orders come from around the country. The items ship directly to our warehouse and we put them on a skid and they go, they go across uh, the pond. And then uh, what we've just worked out in the last few days is uh, to be able to collect from different parts of the country. So we have coalition of good collection sites being driven by people in Fort Lauderdale, Austin, Texas, uh, Fort Worth, Texas, and Chicago to start with, that they are working with their local groups to collect um, the toiletries, personal shampoo, soap, toothbrush, toothpaste, uh, and other items. And when they when they have enough that we can we can put it on a pallet, we we send a truck and pick it up and bring it to North Carolina to consolidate with everything else. So we're expanding our reach at because um, there's still a lot of people that want to help. So wow. that is, uh, there's a lot of ways. And, and there's also, there is a button on the site uh, if folks would would be generous and uh, donate to help us cover the cost of freight that we don't get covered. Uh, that would be, because I, I don't have enough money to do all that. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. The, uh, the freight, is it air freighted or uh, container freighted? It's a, so it's a combination of both. It, uh, the air freight, because they're running out of supplies daily, the warehouse fill up and empty, fill up and empty. And as, but as this continues on, it'll turn into regular containers that, uh, so the supply chain is, is in place, but it, uh, there's some, here I'll, um, I sent a, I sent an email to um, Monica Caritas uh, yesterday, listing the, the items on two skids, two pallets that are going over. And I asked her if she could set one of them aside for the folks at the Jewish community center. Cause it's easier for us to ship to one place, less expensive, the whole nine yards. And um, 5am this morning, I got this email back from her. 
Hello, Scott. Thank you much. For, thank you very much for the message and your help. Our warehouse is almost empty, so we look forward to hearing from you as soon as possible. We will provide one pallet to the Jewish Community Center. Please send me the phone number to the organization. I will let them know about the shipment. So that's the Archdiocese of Krakow. That's their main charity arm, that their warehouse that is supplying all of these other places, taking care of all these different refugees, sent me that email saying their warehouse is almost empty. So for the foreseeable future, air freighting is going to be the quickest, best option, and that costs money. Yeah, that's not cheap. That's not cheap. No, no. Very good. And now how do you find common ground? So um, we've done it by rallying around, um, by rallying different people around an emotional cause, this emotional cause of these people had, had their country was invaded and um, they've lost everything. There's no home to go to. They, they, they left with a couple of garbage bags full of, of items and that was it. So, uh, yeah, if you look at common ground and uh, that's there, if I, we have rich, poor Democrats, Republicans, liberals, progressives, conservatives that are all a part of our coalition saying, what else can we do? Who do you want us to work with? That has created a common ground and is helping these people. And what's really, um, if we're fortunate enough, and, and if it's meant to be, and we continue, I see where where we could turn this into something that um, that helps other refugees in other other areas, or or different folks here. Because you know, it's it's like my eyes, your eyes are open. You know, it, uh, I told I told my wife this. Um, we went to go buy a car, uh, and it was the first time we'd ever uh, looked at the car, the type of car she we needed to get for her. And I'd never really paid attention to it, but I saw an ad and, and, it, and the features, we liked the features. From that moment on, I saw that car everywhere on the highway and everywhere around town where I'd never seen those before. So it's the same with the, the refugee situation. I have, something's opened my eyes to what's going on here. Now I see all of these other things and all these other people that need help. So that, uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to give it our best shot. And uh, we would welcome anyone it's, uh, that wants to help us. Uh, it is, it's a massive undertaking. Krakow alone has added over 20%. There, I think by now there are around 190,000 people, refugees that have come into the town. So the population was below a million before this started. Now it's over a million. So they've added 20%. Poland's added, uh, what, uh, 2.4 million, I believe, refugees in a country of 40 million. So it's, um, it's massive. And then Moldova and Slovakia and Hungary, and they have nowhere to go. There's no homes to go to. And this has all happened in five weeks, six weeks. So um, we're going to continue on the path. And, and, um, and if folks want to join us, uh, join the coalition, I'm, I would love it. They can email me through the website or email at uh, there's, we actually have a couple people now that help answer emails and, um, uh, and I would welcome the opportunity to to chat with everyone to say, here's how you can help, because wow. that's how that's what people are asking. You know, when you were talking about your eyes opening and now you see it around and seeing the car made me think of uh, a line in Amazing Grace. It said, I once was lost, but now I'm found was blind. But now I see we were blind. Now we see. Absolutely. I see it. Yeah. Dear Heavenly Father, we just lift up Scott. We just ask you to send angels around him or angels around this ministry that you've opened doors after doors 
Lord, we just praise you that you healed Scott and you had a mission for him. We ask that you continue to keep his health strong so as he does this mission. We ask that you bring people into his life. They can support his mission and your mission. This is your mission to carry food, carry supplies to people in need. That's what we're taught by Jesus. And we're just trying to replicate a good example. Amen. Amen. Find Bill and Odell online at thecommonground.show. This podcast is a production of BG Ad Group. Darren Sutherland, executive producer. Jeremy Powell, creative director. Jacob Sutherland, director. All rights reserved. Whether you're a big, medium, or small business, managing and growing the bottom line is important. Focus CFO brings the experience and financial acumen of a Fortune 100 chief financial officer to your company at a fraction of the cost. PL help, internal reporting processes, or any business transitions or events. Focus CFO will help you and your team have a CFO in your company's back pocket. Focus CFO. Learn more at focuscfo.com. This podcast is brought to you by Yes Weekly, the triad's largest circulating and best-read weekly magazine. You can also find us online at yesweekly.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yes Weekly, your trusted news leader for local arts, entertainment, music, food, and more for nearly 18 years.